Again, it is a privilege to be here, and we are thankful to God for His mercies. I am thankful to God for each one of you. The, the food was, the food was extra delicious, and I know my stomach would not hurt me at all. Last time my stomach hurt, I had Japanese, and um, I am thankful to God for every blessing that I enjoy. And again, I would say it's a privilege to be here. I am thankful for God for seeing that dear brother there who I had to look up to. I didn't have a choice. I had to look up to him. Only thing I didn't like was that he was looking down on me. <laughs> but it's a joy to be here again, and by the Lord's grace, each one of you who are here, God has a purpose in you being here. You're not here by accident. The Lord has a purpose, and I am going to preach on the subject, the love of God. I've experienced it, and the prayer of my heart is for those of you who have not experienced it, that you will, that you would see that God loves his people. He loves them with an everlasting love. Uh, for my text, uh, let us turn our Bibles to First John chapter 4, please. First John chapter 4. Thank you. I remember the book of Ezra, it said that they stood up all day while the word of God was being read out. Man, that must have been tough on them. First John chapter 4, I'm just going to read two verses, verses 9 and 10. It says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because God, because that God had sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Our gracious God, our Father in heaven, we bless your most holy name, O God. And from the rising of the sun to the going out of the same, Lord, thou art worthy of all praise, O God. And we thank you, God, for the privilege we have, God, to come together to worship you in spirit and in truth, O Lord. Father, we ask, O God, for your Holy Spirit to undertake in every way, God, that he will open the hearts of your people, O God, that he would bless your people, Lord. And if there be any amongst us, Lord, who still do not know you as Savior, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, according to your will, Lord, that you will save them, Lord. Bless every aspect of this service, Lord. The pastor, his family, O God, the loved ones here, all our brothers and sisters in Christ, O God, I pray, God, your mercy is upon each one of us. Keep us close to thee, Lord, and increase our faith. As we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. John Wrighton says, here it is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. God loves us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now the context here, as you read in chapter 4, it deals with us Christians being encouraged by John to love one another. Because God loves us. Now, one of the questions I would like to ask us here this afternoon is, how much do we love other people? I know it is good that we, we need, we have a, a, a prevailing teaching today that we must love ourselves. And that is good, I understand that. But we are to love other people also. The basic, I would say one of the basic tenets of Christianity is that we learn to love other people. And we do not love them for who they are, 
We love them in spite of how, how they are, who they are, in spite of that. And one of the greatest things you can ever do to someone who you really love, if you understand the awfulness of the reality of hell, you would want for them to be saved. Now we understand that you cannot save anyone. I cannot save anyone. Brother Paul cannot save anyone. We understand that. But we can be used as instruments of God in telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's important for us to understand this. But as we know, the context deals with Christians being encouraged by John to love each other because God loves us. He continues to describe to us how God demonstrated pure love to his people through the unselfish and satisfactory sacrifice by his son sent that we might have life, eternal life. It was all motivated by the love of God, a love that he has for us, fallen creatures of Adam's race. The love of God is far beyond the comprehension of our finite minds. But I hope to encourage you that you may find peace through my feeble attempt in beginning to scratch the surface of such a lofty subject. There are many great attributes that our God can lay claim to. But for the saint of God, the believer in Christ, one of the most magnificent attributes is the attribute of the love of God. His love is that eternal principle of his nature through which he is moved to grant eternal and spiritual blessings upon his people. Without God's love, his justice will cut us away. Without his love, his holiness will take us out of his sight. Without his love, his power will destroy us for he's angry with the wicked every day. His love is special because it brings to us a hope that crosses the doors of death and presses into eternity. We will find that within the moral nature of God, he is both light, as we see in 1 John 1.5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we know that in his moral nature, he is both light and he is also love. First John 4, it tells us, He that loveth not knoweth God, for God is love. This should encourage us as his dear children to recognize that as light, he is all-seeing, and that in his love, he will punish us whenever it becomes necessary. This now should motivate us to constantly strive to walk in his marvelous light, and not walk in darkness. We are to be testimonies of this God who has drawn us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't know how many of you realize this, but every day people look at you. Everywhere you are, people look at you. You're a Christian. You identify as a Christian. People look at you wherever you are. And there are some of us, we are saved. Yes, I understand that. We are saved by the grace of Almighty God, nothing else. But we have been saved for a purpose. Each one of us who have been saved by Almighty God, there is a purpose in the salvation that He has given to us. And one of the basic purposes that God has given to us is that we should be witnesses of Him. 
testimonies of what he has done for us, what he has done in us, what he can do for you. You cannot save anyone. I understand that. But we can be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a witness is one who tells of what they know, what they've been through, what they've seen, what they've experienced. Now, to better understand the love of God, I would first like to share with you some characteristics of the love of God. First of all, God's love for his saints is an eternal love. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 31 and 3, The Lord had appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God does not have a part-time love affair with us. It, it is not an off-and-on love. It is not one that is determined upon conditions of us, of our conditions, or even his condition. We love him because he first loved us, but the fact is he loved us with an everlasting love. He, we have been the object of God's love even before this world came into being. Each one of you here who has been washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, each one of us who have experienced the saving grace of Almighty God, we have been washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that love was a love that was channeled towards us even before this world came into being. I tried to understand that and my finite mind couldn't know we understand it. But it is this kind of love that God has for his people that draws his saint to him. The Bible says in Psalm 65 and verse 4, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Blessed, oh, the great joy of the person whom God has chosen and God has caused them to approach unto him. These are wonderful words. These are words that give me so much encouragement in my life as a Christian. Beloved brethren, it is this kind of love that I've experienced from Almighty God. And as a demonstration of this love, God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross to save those whom the Father had given Him. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world, the world of His elect. He loved all of them, every race, every nation under the sun. God so loved the world. That he gave, the Bible says he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he demonstrated this love and sent his, his son. Romans 5, it tells us that God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. Imagine in this awful, ungodly state, while we were yet sinners. Hallelujah, what a savior. God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the incarnate God, He gave Himself a ransom for us. 
He paid the full price, all that was required of God to pay for our sins. He paid the full price. What a Savior. John 6.37 says that all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. That is what the love of God does to us. It draws us to him. It causes us to approach him. Every single one of us that the Father had given the Son in that covenant of grace, every single one, the Bible says, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus Christ, O Lord. So God's love is eternal. It is eternal. Also we find that God's love is also immutable. Because God is immutable, so too is His love. This characteristic of His love assures us, His people, that we would always be the recipients of His love. He would never take that love away from us. He's not like you and I. He's Almighty God. Loving us with an eternal love. Loving us with an immutable love. And as, as, as recipients of His love, we can expect His care, His guidance, His protection, and His punishment. Because He does not change, we can trust His love. If God had a fickle type of love that He would change His love for us, He would be untrustworthy. But he does not change. And he always will love his people. So we can trust him even in our, in our worst moments, in our valley moments. Whatever that moment we go through in our lives, we can trust God to be there for us. He has promised, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So first of all, his love is eternal. Secondly, his love is immutable. Another characteristic of God's love is that it is a sovereign love. He has a sovereign love for us. By that I mean that he sovereignly places his love on whomever he wants. Not that there's anything special in them, but for reasons known only to him, he loves them. We may look down on one another. You know, I have taught my people back in Trinidad. When I, whenever I preach, I tell them, I say, never ever look down on no one. Never ever think that you are better than anyone. That person who you may think you should despise, you might have a mansion next to him or her in heaven. Do not ever look down and despise anyone. We tend to look at people and love them because of who they are or what they have done for us or what they could do for us. We become like that. We are people like that. But if God had to love us like that, He wouldn't love any one of us. But the Bible tells us very clearly that He loves people only for reasons known only to Him. If we turn to Romans chapter 9, and this is a chapter the charismatic would like to get this out of the Bible badly, but they can't yet take it out. But in Romans chapter 9 from verse 11, it says that the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand not of works, but of him that call it. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. 
For he said unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It also should be noted that God's word makes it clear that no one has the right to ask any question of him. For it says, it continues to say in verse 18, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that thou repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? We have no right to question God. Daniel 4.35 tells us, And all inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he that dwelt according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, nor say unto him, What doest thou? God's love is sovereign. He places that love on whomever he wants. <laughs> I think of, I think of election and his love. My grandfather left India with his wife, his second wife, because he had murdered the first one. <laughs> of course, I'm not proud about that. But he came to Trinidad as an indented servant. Now, had he remained in India, there's no telling if I would have ever heard the gospel and been saved. I see God's love, his hand, Working even in that way by bringing my grandparents from India to the Caribbean. And in the Caribbean, even through the what would seem to be unfortunate circumstance of taking the baby. But these are the means that God used. That valley was for me. And those are the means that God used that I could have heard of this awesome love of God. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Why? Because He causes me to approach Him. He gave me everything that I needed. Not to be saved, but to say, I love Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I was already saved when I said that. Beloved brethren, this is what God's love is. For our benefit, His love now also is very effective. Those who have been chosen in him to become his children by faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, according as he had chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Beloved brethren, those who have been chosen in him to become his children by faith in Christ Jesus, they will become his children through the Holy Spirit of God who draws them, quickens them, the Bible tells us in John 6.63. It says, it is a spirit that quickeneth. It is a spirit that gives life. The Spirit of God empowers us. Psalm 110 tells us that thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Giving us an inheritance and keeping all those whom he loved through his power, 
to the Bible says to an eternal salvation. In First Peter chapter 1 verses 5, 4 and 5. It says we are kept to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. So yes, his love is eternal. His love is immutable. His love is sovereign and his love is effective. Secondly, I would like to point out the demonstration of God's love. Something we must remember about true love is, is that it is never inactive, but it is always active and clearly seen. Some of you people here would testify to that. True love is active. And it is seen. Sometimes you buy a gift for somebody you love. You, you know, you always show them you love them in one, some little way or the other. We find that the love of God is openly demonstrated and seen in him sending his son to die so that we might live. The sinless for us sinners. Christ, we find his love for the church, his love for us was given on Calvary. And not only for the church, but for all of his sheep, those who had passed before him, those who were there when he was on the earth, and those who will come, as he, as he prayed for in John chapter 17. This love of God is openly demonstrated in the way God sent his son. And it is clearly seen in the matter of us being born again, spiritual birth, a sign of God's love. It is possible only from above. Let me ask you a question. What can you to be, do to be saved? What can you do to be saved? Now the answer is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That question was asked on the day of Pentecost. But can the dead believe in Christ? Can the spiritual dead believe in Christ? Can the spiritual dead, as a matter of fact, do anything, whatever? Your spiritual birth is only possible through Almighty God. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to be born again. You are responsible before God. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 tells us that there was a time when God overlooked, when he winked at certain things. But now God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Every single one of us are responsible as moral agents to repent. But to be born again, being born again is of God. It is all of God. Salvation is all of the Lord. That is the love of God. God's love into action. He, he sheds that love on whomever he wants. But that love is demonstrated through being born again. And it is only from above the Spirit of God who gives us a new nature. He takes the Word of God and convicts our heart. And so we call God Abba. We say Father. That is how we reach out to God. A baby does not drink milk to be born. It drinks milk because it was born. And you do not say, I want Jesus in my life to be born again. You say, I want Jesus in my life because you have been born again. You have been given a new nature. All the glory goes to God. All glory goes to God. John chapter 3 verses 6 
and ate. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Jesus explained to Nicodemus, he said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19, God says, I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It is all of God. You are here this afternoon because God wants you to be here. And I always tell people, preaching has two purposes in it. One is conviction unto righteousness, and the other is condemnation. Because you have heard and you have rejected. When you die and you stand before God, being thrown into hell because you rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, your blood be upon you. Every preacher who stands in front of you and tells you honestly that the wicked shall die and go to hell, if he tells you that, remember that is his duty. God sent him to say so. If you reject that word, and you walk out of this building unsaved, then your blood be upon you. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And this love of God is demonstrated in send Him sending His Son to save sinners. Also we find that the love of God is demonstrated in Him disciplining us. It may not be nice to us, but I assure you that it is helpful. Those of us who are born again, you know that. I have felt the rod of my Savior many a time on my back. I have felt it. And in this flesh I may feel it again. But God chastises those whom he loves. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6. The Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Chasteneth is correction, yes, but that scourging is a terrible thing. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was scourged. He said the cat nine, it's something like a cat nine tail. Uh, on the end of it, it has bones and pieces of metal, jagged pieces of metal. That, And he, I don't know if you have been there, but I have been there. But I'm thankful to God that he would see fit in, he would see that it was fit enough to correct me when I was doing wrong. And those of you who do wrong as a Christian, if you are not feeling the correcting hand of God upon you. You need to, as Paul wrote and says, Wherefore let think, him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. He said also to examine yourselves whether you are in the faith and prove yourselves. Beloved brethren, what I'm saying here is simply this. God's love is a special love. It is a love that he left heaven Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he condescended himself. He became a human being like he emptied himself of all his heavenly glory. Came onto this earth. Lived the perfect life, the Bible tells us. There was no sin, no guile, no nothing found in him. Nothing wrong. Yet we find the innocent pain for the guilty. Pain for you and I. Those of us who would, those of us who would deliberately flaunt our sinfulness in his face sometimes. Beloved brethren, 
I heard you and I played with you. If Jesus Christ is not your Savior today, then you need to trust him as your Savior. You need to turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty soon, pretty soon, I believe, it is not long from now, I believe he would boost the clouds of glory. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ could come anytime. And beloved brethren, if you would die outside of Christ, then you would die and go to hell. Hell is real. Don't think, it is said that Jesus preached about hell more than he did about heaven. And there is a hell. There is a real Gehenna, the Bible tells us of. And if you walk out of this building today, not having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then again I would say, your blood be upon you. I would say in conclusion, I have been born of the Spirit. And I would urge you, if God's Spirit is tugging at your heart today, you will surrender yourself to Him. You see, the Spirit of God not only tugs at your heart, but He gives you everything you need to come to Jesus Christ. You need to come to Jesus Christ. Sometimes preachers would use all sort of means to get people to walk up to the, come up to the pulpit so that they can quote unquote say a sinner's prayer. I don't believe in sinner's prayer and all these sort of things. I believe God saves you right where you're sitting there. But the Bible tells us that you are supposed to openly confess him as Lord and Savior. Now I honestly believe that open confession is through baptism, the Lord's kind of baptism. But you're supposed to let us know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, that we must confess with our mouth. So that responsibility lies upon you. I would urge you this afternoon, look to Jesus Christ. As I told you, I've experienced the love of God in my life through salvation, through his divine providence, and also through his correcting hand of chastisement. But it was all because of his love for me. And there have been many times... Many annoying times of discouragement in my life. But because of his love, that is one of the good things about God's love. You persevere. You persevere as a Christian. Doesn't matter what you go through. But if you are the object of God's love, you persevere by his grace. He keeps you. He preserves you. And there have been many times of discouragement in my life. But because of his love, I persevere. And I look forward to the day when by his mercies, and in his love, I will be with him. Certainty, not hopefully. I am saying this with all certainty. I am a hundred percent certain that I am born again. And I look forward to the day when to be absent from this body, I will be present with the Lord. I hope you have that assurance today. Look to Jesus Christ. Do you have the hope that I have? If you don't, then pay attention to this word. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, emptied himself of his heavenly glory, condescended himself, came into the form of man, willingly went to the cross of Calvary, where he died for sinners. If you look to Jesus Christ, I assure you, by his grace, you will be saved. God bless you. Brother Paul.